This is episode 56 of Crowdfunding Uncut. This is Crowdfunding Uncut, the place where creators and entrepreneurs come to learn how to launch a successful crowdfunding campaign. Here's your host, Kirsten Ross. Hey guys, welcome back. Kirsten here. This week, we're going to be doing a little throwback Tuesday, I guess if that's a thing. Um, I'm just going through some older episodes and... One of my absolute favorite episodes and interviews that I've ever done is with Nathan Chan, who also happens to be one of my favorite Aussies. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting him at Tropical Think Tank, and we actually caught up last night. Um, It was around 1 a.m. my time in London. Uh, I'm just here on holidays. But um, it just got me thinking of how focused and talented this guy is, and I wanted to bring back the interview to really focus on what is important as an entrepreneur. And uh, Nathan has been able to create this amazing digital media empire called Founder Magazine, where um, right out of his nine to five, and this is his very first company, and what he's done with it online um, speaks volumes to the kind of focus that he has. But not only um, that, but this is a guy who's able to take real feedback from entrepreneurs and apply it to his own business to get insane results. And um, you know, the interview, although it's not crowdfunding based, it really speaks volumes to what you should be focusing on as an early stage entrepreneur. And if you are launching a product online, you really have to look at it as the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey. If your project succeeds, which I hope it does, you are creating a business and you do need to think longer term focus, which is why I love having this show be not only focused on crowdfunding, but more at the longer scope. So it's a fantastic interview. I felt that in the spirit of everything, this would just be great to bring him back onto the show. Uh, Not back onto the show. It's not a new interview, but it's an an older interview. So for new listeners, you will get the... um, Do you like the London Sirens, by the way? If any of the listeners here are from London, you are going to realize that that happens about 10 times in an hour because we're on one of the high streets. Um, but anyways, this, uh, I just wanted to throw back and bring back Nathan's interview on because it's, uh, you know, just one of my favorites and it's one of the audience favorites as well. Special thanks to the guys over at BackerKit for sponsoring this episode. BackerKit is a crowdfunding fulfillment software tool that helps you, the project creator, deal with all the nasty stuff once your project is finished, such as customer fulfillment order upsells, surveys, and all that stuff so that you can focus on what is most important, which is building your business. Um, Head over to backerkit.com for more information. Um, Highly recommended, though. They've worked with over 2,000 project creators and fulfilled orders to more than 3.5 million backers. So head over there. And apart from that, if you are a new listener to the show, we want to get you started with our crowdfunding toolkit. So this is loaded with our must-listen-to episodes, as well as a guide that's going to help you focus on what you need to build your audience before you launch. Go to crowdfundinguncut.com and just take advantage of that. But why don't we get on to the interview? So Nathan, I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Yeah, it's uh, great to finally connect. Yeah. So as I mentioned in the intro, you are the founder of Founder Magazine in Australia. Um, Are you... Are you mainly a digital publication or are you offline as well? So yeah, we're we're digital only. Okay, that's fantastic. Better for the environment, I guess. Um, 
Yeah, you could say that. Um, to be honest, the reason that I published it as a digital publication was was one uh, the cost of of, of producing it. A digital publication as opposed to a print publication is significantly less yeah. and I, I just believe that you know um, publishing also is going through through a time where uh, print is slowly dying I think eventually print will probably be maybe like records are so like people will still have them and they'll still be around but they'll be more like a little, a little off, definitely be a lot more scarce um, like from an environmental. Item, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think that it'll be more of a novelty. Um, there is something nice about holding a book, like a print book or, 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 or a print magazine. But from a cost perspective, um, that's always been a big uh, thing because mm-hmm. when I started Founder, I, I launched it while I was working my full time day job and I built it up to replace my income so I could leave my day job. And, uh, yeah, I, I kind of just uh, ran with it, you know, also in the fact that uh, I was using a, a off-the-shelf publishing software called MagCast, mm-hmm. and that um, kind of showed me the ropes, what would have you to, to, I guess, build a digital magazine. Now, you were working in the publication space before you decided to launch your own magazine. Is that correct? No. No. Uh, I w- no. I was, I, uh, I was working uh, in, at a travel company called Intrepid Travel in IT support. Fantastic. So the reason I ask that question is a lot of people um, will assume that just your business right now that you've made a huge success online, like you've had hundreds of thousands of downloads in the Apple Store, and mm-hmm. people just assume that, well you had this as your background and so you can easily transition that into creating your own business around it. So the fact yeah, that yeah, you no. didn't is amazing. Oh, well, thank you. No, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's the exact opposite. Like I knew nothing. Uh, I was quite naive. So let's, let's talk about that. Cause this, um, I've been an entrepreneur for several years and I've I'm very used to seeing entrepreneurs go through the first or second business fail and then third business, that's three, you know, three times a charm. But with you, this is your first business and you've made it into a success story. And I'd love to talk to you about how you decided to create a digital publication and why you chose the entrepreneur route. Like what was going through your head when you came up with this idea? And mm, was like, yeah. So, yeah, well, thank you. So, um, I don't, I guess, you know, when I first wanted to start a digital magazine, I was actually going to do it on horse racing and, uh, cause horse racing is really big here in, in, uh, Australia, especially mm-hmm. in Melbourne. We have, um, a, a, a like a, even like a, a carnival for it, which happens over a series of, of months during mm-hmm. spring. It's called spring carnival. And, uh, one of my best friends and housemates at the time He's, uh, he's a horse racing journalist and I'm actually the kind of person that always uh, does things with someone else. So it's, it's, it was actually kind of quite unlike me as a person and just my nature to, to do a business solo. Like if there was anybody that was going to start something, um, it, like for me, usually, you know, the old me, I wouldn't have done it by myself. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not that independent in that sense. Okay. Um, so... 
I was going to do this horse racing magazine with my friend, but then and my friend was a freelancer. But then, but then my friend uh, Ben, he uh, he got a job in the horse racing industry, and then he kind of was just like, yeah, I can't really do it. I don't have the time. This and that. And you know, what was going through my head at the time, I guess, was. Well, should I do it on fashion or or men like a men's magazine, and that's like you know um, that could be interesting. But then I just thought to myself, like you know, I listened to podcasts. I was interested in entrepreneurship. I wanted to know, you know, what it took to build a successful business myself. Um, you know, I, I know that there isn't actually a magazine out there that is one, you know, targeting young young entrepreneurs or, or aspiring or novice stage entrepreneurs. Anyone that's like, you know, wants to start a business, doesn't know where to start or, or someone that's just starting out. I knew there wasn't really a publication out there tackling those kinds of things. And I knew podcasts really hot and I was listening to podcasts. I knew this interview thing was really hot. And I don't know, Kirsten, I just... I just kind of was just had the mindset of like, yeah, maybe this could work. I'm going to go with this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I didn't know whether it would work. I had the mindset of, uh, yeah, maybe it could become a million-dollar business. Who knows? I don't know. But I'm just going to, you know, launch it. I spent two grand on uh you know, you, uh, for a license to use the publishing software, I didn't want the money to go to waste. I didn't have much money at the time, and I was I was wasn't doing work that was fulfilling me. I was trying to find a job in marketing. I thought that having my own digital magazine uh, could, in fact, really help me get a job in marketing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's what was going through my head at the time. Like, things have changed a lot now, but, yeah, that's what I was thinking, I guess. Okay. So I didn't really know what, what – I didn't think too far ahead, and I didn't really know where, where I'd end up. Okay. So when you went the – I guess you chose to focus on entrepreneur education, um, was there any particular podcast that really inspired you to make the change to entrepreneurship as your focus? Yeah, I'd, I'd listened to uh, John Lee Dumas's Entrepreneur on Fire. I knew that that was like that was like uh, he just started and he was like really hitting the ground running, and that was starting to explode. And then also Pat Flynn's podcast, and I also read a lot of blogs too, like um, Yo Starax. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a few others. I can't remember who. I remember finding Natalie Sisson. Um, there was a few that I was just following, like their podcast and their blog, and, and I saw they were doing a lot of interviews and stuff like that as well. Okay. No, it's really good. And I think it's really um, smart of you to not initially jump onto the podcast wagon to interview people because at least right now there are a thousand entrepreneur startup interview podcasts. And I oh, think yeah. It's, it's really good that you chose the, the digital publication route. So. Yeah, it it, it uh, things all like for to be honest with you, Kirsten. I know some it might seem like things that I'm doing are, are really strategic. They are now, but back then it was kind of like me just winging it, okay, and just kind of following my gut and just seeing what happens. Um, you know, I never when I started the magazine, I specifically said, and I and I and like uh, my friend Marin Barraquette, um 
I was speaking to him last night, and I remember I said to him specifically when we first met, he's like, oh, you should create a podcast. I'm just, I'm just looking at launching one too. And I was like, no, I actually don't want to create a podcast because everyone's created a podcast. So I never thought that I wanted to create a podcast, but then I realized, you know, we launched our podcast about a year uh, in November last year. Like I realized that, you know, we had all these epic interviews that, that were just locked away. Like why not Why not just, just put them out there into the world as a goodwill kind of thing and mm-hmm. be a great way to build trust and, and we, we get some, some great interviews with some really hard to reach people. Like I think we can differentiate ourselves some way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from, from, yeah, you're right. Like from the start, I always was like, no, I don't want to do a podcast. Yeah. No, I like that. Going away from the masses really. So when we look at what your, I guess, issue number one looked like for you, what was the goal when you first released it? Mm. Yeah, some great questions. Um, my goal was just to launch. Uh, I remember, so to be totally honest with you, Kirsten, uh, when I first launched, the magazine wasn't even called Founder. It was called something else, and I was sued for trademark infringement. Oh, no. So, yeah, yeah, I was sued for trademark infringement. So it was called something else, and uh, I had to change it after four months of of running it. So when I actually, to be honest with you, when I launched it, it was it wasn't. Uh, it was like a. It was. It was the goal was was it was around like a little bit entrepreneurship, but a, str- a much stronger emphasis on personal development. Okay. Um. But then after I, I got sued and, and had to change the name, uh, we we obviously rebranded it as Founder, and and I and I did a little bit of a pivot where I was like, nah, scrap this personal development thing. That's it's let's do it purely focused on entrepreneurship. So, yeah, like um, you know, when I was thinking about it, you know, just then, like. Going, going all the way back, it was like, yeah, let's do something on entrepreneurship, but let's have a strong focus on personal development too. But now it's like a very strong focus on entrepreneurship and a little bit of a focus on personal development, but for the most part, it's all around entrepreneurship. So it did, it, it changed very, very slightly. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, that's what the – like I didn't know – when I launched the first issue, the goal was just to get something out there and see what happens um, because it was really, really dragging on because, uh, you know, it, I, I purchased the software. Uh, we launched March 5th, 2013, and I purchased the software uh, seven months before that. So the thing is, right, like, you know, we've been out for two and a half years, but before that – um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't like, I, I've been doing it and, and trying to work on a business for three years, you know? So that's, yeah. to me, feels like a long time, but that during that seven month period, um, I was very, uh, you know, very casual about it all. And, and I remember, um, I was just wrapping my, my, uh, master's degree in marketing so I went to France and I studied and I traveled and I didn't even touch the magazine and then also um, just before I was launching as well I was in uh, traveling around Cambodia and Vietnam with my girlfriend so I was super super um, slow and and casual about it all Um, so my biggest goal at that time was to just launch it. Mm -hmm. 
And what was your launch plan at that point? Oh, I had no launch plan. I literally remember I was in like a, a hotel in uh, Cambodia and I just like created a Facebook page and, 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 you know, we were just launching it. Like I had no launch plan. I was actually, in fact, super embarrassed. I didn't even tell any of my friends. Um, yeah, it was like wow. totally different. Yeah, totally different to, to what you see now. Like now we, we go pretty hard on the promotions and the marketing. Well, yeah. <laughs> so like yeah. what I would love to know is like, okay, so you had no launch. You wouldn't even tell your friends. But how long after the launch did you hit 100,000 downloads in the App Store? Uh, I think it took at least 18 months, at least. Yeah, at least 18 months. Okay. And maybe 16 months. Maybe 16. Okay. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Yeah. Around that. Around that. It took over a year. I can say that confidently. It took over a year. Okay. And at what point did you hit uh, one of the top 10 magazines, uh, business magazines in that store? Yeah. In the app store. Uh, probably around. So, yeah, probably once we started to hit 100,000 downloads and, and beyond, that's when it started to get into yeah, into the top 10. Um, so around that time, not long after, yeah, we started ranking really high. And, uh, yeah, we were ranking much higher. And, uh, yeah, we started to become, um, a, 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 you know, in the top 10 consistently. Okay. And if you look at your marketing plan or what you did to get to 100,000 downloads, would you say that you had one strategy help you more than any other to help you get the, your downloads within the first 16 months? Yeah, for sure. Um, so it took me just over a year to build up Found to Leave my day job. And what's interesting is... I just focused on the magazine. You know, now we've got a podcast. We've got, you know, we're, we're growing a lot of traffic to our website now. And we do one blog post. Like, we've got a dedicated content person. And, you know, we're doing a lot with social and we're doing these training products and all sorts of things like that. Yeah. So... Back then, it was just the magazine. My only focus. We had a we had a simple landing. Like our homepage was just a very very simple one page, a landing page, just to keep Apple happy. We I wasn't focused on the social channels. You know, our social channels were dead. Um, you know, we, we obviously weren't doing blog posts. We didn't have any training stuff. We had no podcast. So my only focus was the magazine, and I think I got very, very good at uh, SEO for the App Store. That okay. was the only thing that um, I was focusing on from, from a marketing uh, strategic standpoint was just optimizing, you know, and, and that, I felt that was my lowest hanging fruit because if somebody was searching on the App Store for key search terms like business or startups or something and even entrepreneurs or entrepreneurship, I knew that if I could if, – if they were searching for those keywords and I could show them founder, then – then, then they would be interested in our stuff and potentially become a subscriber. Mm -hmm. And I also knew that if people were searching for Entrepreneur Magazine, Fast Company, Forbes, or any of those, that uh, were, were a cool, funky alternative to that. So I tried to piggyback off those big brands, and we still do to this day. Uh, not as much as we used to because Apple is a little bit cracked down on it all. But still, um, if you search for Entrepreneur Magazine, uh, we will come up next to them. We're number two. 
Wow. So okay. just little things like that um, has, has gone a very, very long way. It cost me nothing, and that was a very, very big focus. And also utilizing influences from a social proof standpoint because um, – you know, and, and really playing on that. Like once we got Richard Branson for issue number eight, mm-hmm. uh, that's when things started to change for us, Kirsten, because I, I just put that cover everywhere. You know, it was in our screenshots. It was our default cover. So if somebody was searching, um, it's going to change soon and they're actually going to remove the newsstand. But um, what what currently happens right now and has since the beginning is they with uh, if you have a magazine in the app store your logo is actually your latest cover issue. Mm-hmm. So if somebody looks like under you know business, uh, they go to the newsstand, they go to the business section, and then founder comes up, it would actually be the latest cover. But I made the Richard Branson issue the default cover, and that always brought us fifty percent more downloads. So just little things like that mm-hmm. has gone a very very big way because you know I was really showcasing um, that we feature influencers, and you know that Richard, Richard Branson piece um, has been very very powerful in in order for to for us to build trust and for people to uh, take us seriously and you know I, I put in the screenshots I put it in um, you know our, our default as a, as a default cover and then I also uh, used it when I was pitching other influencers to feature in the magazine as well mm-hmm. and then also when you first open up the magazine there is a pop-up and it and you know it comes up if you're not a subscriber and it has a re- yep. yeah yeah it's got a strong call to action so you know and then we have the Richard Branson as our free issue as well so we gave it away and that also really really built trust because i think it's it's very rich to ask someone to pay for a magazine that you've never heard of so we give you a free issue and you can try it out and if you like it you can you know subscribe and there's a ton of calls to, calls to action within that free issue mm-hmm. so they're the kind of things that I was 100% focused on to get to those 100,000 downloads to, to just grow the magazine. Okay. That's, that's all I was focused on. I, I didn't do anything else. Awesome. Thanks for that. Speaking of, I want to thank BackerKit for sponsoring this episode. BackerKit is, as you know, crowdfunding fulfillment software tool. So if you are looking with help, after your campaign is finished to take care of customer surveys, order preferences, fulfillment, uh, upsells, any of that stuff, you should head over to backerkit.com. They've helped over 2,000 projects, some of the the bigger names too. So pretty good offer there. So before I get on to um, the Branson topic, I want to know if there... So you know when you're optimizing SEO for your website, you can use tools such as Google Keyword Planner. Mm Mm-hmm. Are there any tools that you can use to optimize your stuff in the Apple Store that you used? Yeah, yeah, Sensor Tower. That's a really good one. Okay. Sensor Tower, yeah, that's a really, really good one. I really like that one. Okay. Awesome. You just, well, I mean, I usually learn something from these, but I didn't realize (laughs) that... uh, For me, I I think the biggest realization from speaking to you so far is... uh, that the Apple Store works like on an SEO principle. And I was like, oh, obviously, keywords. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that when they have apps. But, uh, yeah, it, it can be a massive low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love it. Okay. And so 
when I first came across your work, the one thing that really stood out for me was Branson. And after I started doing research, here I am, like I have your profile in front of me and I see this guy who his first business issue eight. So eight months into a project, you get Richard Branson on to be a feature in your magazine. And after mm-hmm. Branson, if you just look at the chronology of your issues, you've brought on people such as Chris Gillibo, you've had Tim Ferriss, Seth Godin, Arianna Huffington, like really, really, really big names. So I'm assuming that Branson helped catapult that. So yeah. what I would love to know is how did you get Branson for issue number eight when you were still so new into the game? Um, I think part of it was that we had a magazine. Um, I think, I think that, you know, Richard Branson's been on the front cover of every business magazine. Um, so why couldn't he be on founder, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's kind of the thought process. And then I just, uh, you know, I managed to find, uh, his gatekeeper, Okay. Um, who's who's the head of PR? So you know the first things first. You know to get all these influences, um, you you have to have an audience, and you have to be able to provide them some sort of value. Or you have to have something to show. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you've got no, you know, even if you don't, like if you if you've got nothing and you want to talk, speak to Richard Branson, you know, you, you're hard out of luck because it's it's very difficult because everybody wants to, you know. Yeah. So, so I think you have to have something, and you have to uh, uh, having a magazine definitely helped us. And then also, you have to find the right person you need to speak to. And uh, with those core principles, I've used that to get all sorts of influences and and you know uh, uh, well known entrepreneurs on the front covers of our magazine. And uh, I, I've simply asked and I've been super persistent, you know, uh, when I tried calling, and that's a big thing, you know, make some make phone calls if you have to. You just have to be relentless. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when I, I remember when I tried to call Richard Branson's uh, head of PR, like she, she didn't write, she didn't ring me back. So it took about four to five phone calls and voicemails for me to actually catch her. Okay. to actually pick up the phone. So I think there's a lot to be said in that because, you know, if I had to just call her, left a couple of voicemails, I could have given up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot to be said in, in just being super persistent as well. And, uh, you know, I called her up. I got on the phone with her. Managed, in the end, managed to catch that person. And... Uh, she said to me, you know, uh, look, you know, how long have you guys been around for? And I, and I was like, about four months. And she's like, oh, wow, you're really new. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, and I was super nervous, you know. Of course. I, I, you know, I, I say it with confidence now, but I was super nervous. And uh, I was stu- like stumbling and you name it. And uh, she, she was like, you know, look, please understand that we get asked this question like at least 10 to 20 times a day. Um, I'll tell you what, shoot me an email. I won't I won't get back to you straight away, but I promise I will get back to you. And then I just sent a really good email and played on the fact that his first business venture was a magazine 
and uh, pretty much uh, from there, uh, the rest is really history. I, I pitched for a Skype interview, but they said that he was really busy and the best he could offer was an email interview, okay. uh, just a Q&A. And then uh, I worked with his team. Um, we came up with a whole ton of questions, we got his answers back, and then I worked with his team to, to, to come with a cover and a feature. And uh, then we kind of just took it from there. And, uh, yeah, that's how we do it. Like, there's many different ways. We're actually going to write, like, a super in-depth blog post on how to get interviews with influencers. I've noticed that there isn't really anything out there that's, like, your go-to source. So we're, we're working currently as we speak on, like, the most epic, in-depth, you know, 2,500-word-plus blog post. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and it will go through absolutely everything because there's a lot of different things I do. Like that was just one strategy, but there's a lot of different things I do to get in touch with Ariana Huffington as opposed to Tim Ferriss. And, and there's many different ways you can try certain avenues. Okay. And um, yeah, that's just – that's how we got uh, Branson. But the still the same core philosophies exist. You know, you have something to show. You have an audience – and uh, you find the right person to pitch, and if they reject you, you ask when can you when 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 is a good time to follow up, and you actually follow up, whether it's six months or twelve months or whatever, you actually follow up, and then when you follow up, you say, okay, well this is how big our audience was when we pitched you six months ago or twelve months ago. This is how big it is now, and that's actually what we did with Barbara Corcoran. At first, she said no. Like her 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 assistant. Um, mm. Oh, sorry, I forget her name. Uh, I feel really bad. I forget her name, but she uh, she said no. Um, they said no, and then I come back to them twelve months later, and they said yes. And uh, you know that happens. You know, uh, we pitch Jamie Oliver. They, do you know Jamie Oliver? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. yes, yeah. I'm not sure if you guys would, um, but he's really big in Australia, and and we pitched Jamie Oliver, and his team said no, but they said you know maybe we can do something in the future, and and I will take that and I will run with it. You know, we've we've pitched uh, Steve Wozniak. He said no. His his uh, person said no, and and they and I'll I'll still follow that up. You know what I mean? So yeah. I I it's not just like a one trick that I have and it's not just like this is the strategy and it works. It's it's a lot of consistency and a lot of relentlessness and hustle as well and coming at it from different angles. But I'll, I will be going in depth in that blog post that's coming out in a couple of weeks. Well, I can't wait to read that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, well, look, if anyone wants to, to read that, you can – if you go to our website and, and jump on our newsletter, um, yeah, that's that's uh, the best way to find out when it goes live. Fantastic. And I guess going into the Branson pitch, would you, you being so new because he was like your your biggest fish early on. And would you say there was one strategy or one part of the strategy you used with him that worked? Well, I think I think around the fact that, one, I found the person, the go-to person. And then the second thing was, like, I don't even know if he read the email because I addressed it to him, but I sent it to his PR person. She probably would have read it 
and seen like, oh, okay. And then she maybe went, she would have went to him and said, yeah, okay, this is the thing. And then he said, he would have just said yes or no. And she would have probably said something along around the lines that they're targeting young entrepreneurs. And I know that he has a big emphasis on supporting young entrepreneurs and the next set of leaders. And, uh, I think, yeah, I, I, I played on that. And I think that's, that was smart, uh, because, you know, that, it was giving him an outlet, even though our audience was not that big, it was still giving him some form of an outlet. And, uh, you know, now, like, you know, a lot of people have have read that issue. Um, So it's, it it paid off, right? Yeah, Um, definitely. So, yeah, it was, in the end, it was, you know, still a mutually beneficial exchange in value. And that's, and that's the key part. It's like a partnership. You always have to find that uh, you know mutually beneficial exchange in value. Yes. See, that's what it, that's part of what I was looking for. In that, when you pitch these people, you have to look for why they would want to do it. Hmm. For sure. I think that's the biggest thing, and you have to make it an absolute no-brainer. Like now, like my pitch back then was to, to Sir Richard Branson was a lot, like was a lot, uh, no near as, as as good as it is now. Um, like this is what a pitch would look like from us. It'd be like, hey, I'm the publisher of this magazine. We're a top ten ranked business magazine in the App Store, linking two you know people can go and see if they click on that link they can click on it and they can see that we sit next to fast company forbes entrepreneur hbr then i say um you know these are these are the entrepreneurs we've featured so it kind of pre-vets it's like richard branson tim ferris ariana huffington seth godin you name it then we would like to feature you within you know for this cover i've attached uh you know uh, the cover what we did with sir richard branson so you can get a feel and, and look because um you know we do things at quite a quite a high quality in terms of design i, I believe so that you know when people look at it uh, we get a lot of compliments uh, in fact for the level of design in the magazine because it's kind of it's kind of like a cool funky kind of fresh branding mm-hmm. and then um we say that this is how big our audience is and this is this is where we're going to utilize this interview and this is what it's going to do for you guys. Um, you know, whether you've got a book out or whether you've just launched a product or whatever, um, this is how it's going to help you. And then we say we need 20 to 30 minutes of your time to come on a Skype interview and this is what the things will do with it. And we try and make it as much of a no-brainer as possible. So, yes, that person's looking for press. Yes, that person can see that we're, uh, some uh, some way, shape, or form, an authority in the entrepreneurship space. Yes, we've got a decent-sized audience. Yes, a lot of other influencers in the entrepreneurship space have been interviewed, so these guys must be legit. Yes, if you click on like my footer and go to our website, our website looks like I'm quite proud of our website. It looks great. It looks legitimate, um, great design, and people can see that we're the real deal. And all of those things paint a, a great picture to be like, oh, okay, these guys, you know, uh, they know what's going on. You know, they've got a decent-sized audience. Um, it's a new kind of audience that uh, we may have never tapped into before as opposed to Entrepreneur, Fast Company, Forbes or whatever. Um, let, let's do it. You know what I mean? So all you want to make it as big, as much of a no-brainer as possible like sales. You know, uh, when, you, when you're selling something, you want to make it a no-brainer and uh, that's what I'm trying to do. It's, it's, we're, we're essentially selling. Yeah, exactly. 
is what's in it for them. Well, you just yeah. said it. I mean, uh, I was reading through a early Reddit post that you had done and one, I think it was on Reddit, but one of the key leveraging points that you used early on when you didn't have a huge audience was you offered these people um, feature in a magazine. Mm, yeah, that's right. Like uh, people really like to be on front covers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it, but yeah, if people like to be on front covers of magazines, that's another piece of the puzzle if we try and get a big in-time influence. So we, we're off on the front cover as well, you know, that's that speaks volumes too. People love that, you know? Yeah, which especially genius. Yeah. Yeah, especially because, like, you know, we've already got a ton of influencers now that, that or, you know, big names in the entrepreneurial world, the who's who in the zoo. Um, people love to be able to say, yeah, I was on the front cover of this magazine. And, you know, I might have heard of it, but, you know, Fisher Richard Branson stuff, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. So, great. Well, I have one more question before we wrap up here. Mm-hmm. We, with this being your first business and your first business being a success, what would you say is the one thing you would attribute your success to? Mm, can I only say one thing? <laughs> well, I might let you say two, but okay. All right, I think mm, it's so hard because there's a whole ton of. It's all right because there's a ton of things that just all wrap into it. But I think one of the biggest things is is probably focus. Okay. And then, and then the last, then the and the second thing would be just, just wanting it really badly, like being so extremely focused and wanting it so extremely badly that you know from that comes so much hustle, like you know working so ridiculously hard, and um and to the point where it, it has to become an obsession. I think, I think if you want to build a successful business, and 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 thank you for the kind words saying that that you know what I've built with Founder is is a success because I personally believe Kirsten that we're just scratching the surface and we're just getting warmed up and I and I don't feel like I've attained you know a success in quote unquote eyes of society so like thank you for the kind words but um you know for me I think if you want to build an extremely successful business uh it has to be an obsession you have to want it so bad that you have to be extremely hungry and you have to be super focused Um, there's so many people that uh you know lose track and they're not moving the needle forward and when you're not moving the needle forward you're moving backwards you know Mm -hmm. so um I think yeah yeah that's what that's that's where it's what it's got to be like you just you just have to be yeah really really focused and and just hustle really really hard I know that's easier said than done I know that might just be a cop-out but if those are the top you know two things I think you know that that's got to go hand in hand because if things don't work you know you just keep moving um like when we got sued you know we just kept moving um and you just keep building that momentum keep building that momentum like uh yeah so yeah and you try and find leverage wherever you can and yeah just keep going yeah well if it i mean i know that you always want to keep things into perspective but um in the last month i've had dan norris and chris ducker on my podcast and both of them when your name has come up they say he that nathan chan is going to dominate the marketing world in australia yeah (laughs) well thank you but we're a global brand you know so like but they're proud to well sorry chris ducker is from the uk but like Dan Norris being Australian, he's a very proud Aussie, and I think he's very yeah. proud of that. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Well, thank you. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 
you know, it's funny that because I'm from Melbourne and people think like, you know, the magazine's just in Australia or we're just like an Australian brand. I actually get that a lot. Like I get these local Australian brands that come to us, like entrepreneurial local Australian brands and they're like, oh, we know we want to do something. And I say like, look, I have to be honest, majority of our reach is overseas, a big proportion in the States, the UK and Canada, um, you know, the biggest, the US, and then, you know, the second is Australia, but then, you know, UK and Canada is not far behind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have people all around the world, you know, Tokyo, Barbados, like it's crazy some of the emails that I get and, and, and hearing from these people from these amazing countries that tell me that that, that, I, that, I, that I have a friend in this really obscure place. Um, and... You know, we're a global brand, and it's funny like that because, um, yes, yeah, so some people do think we're just an Australian magazine or we just focus on Australia. It's interesting, you know? Yeah. No, definitely. So, great. Well, for more information about you, if uh, people want to find Founder Mag, they should go to foundermag.com. Yeah. I uh, just will say that F-O-U-N-D-R mag.com um it's founder without an e and uh the reason we have that is uh because we would we would get sued again because no one had that name without the e with the weird spelling but it's new and edgy and hip so i think it it goes with the brand oh well thank you yeah you're welcome cool well listen i uh i think it's been great having you on the the call today um Thanks so much for, for taking 30 minutes out of your day and sharing this information with the audience and, and other fellow entrepreneurs. You're welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time also. I really appreciate it. No worries. Right then. Take care. Awesome. You too. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, be sure to head over to crowdfundinguncut.com and subscribe so you don't miss any of our weekly tips and so that you can get instant access to our crowdfunding toolkit, which includes a guide, how to build your audience, the five steps that I use pre-launch with the campaigns that I work on. And apart from that, um, I just want to say I love you and appreciate you, and I'm really looking forward to working uh, on more content in the future. So, um, yeah, depending on what you're looking for, uh, we have also just released a visual medium for the podcast and weekly tips. So you can just check the show notes for our YouTube channel. So it is called crowdfunding uncut, um, with yours truly. So until next time. Are you launching a product on either Kickstarter or Shopify and you're feeling completely overwhelmed with the process? Hi there, my name is Kirsten, the CEO of Launch and Scale. To date, we've helped several online sellers sell millions of dollars online and scale their business from zero to seven figures by focusing on building an audience of fans that will actually convert into paying customers. If you're serious about building a seven-figure e-commerce brand with less time and less risk, you should check out our product launchpad. PLP is a proven accelerator that takes you step-by-step -step through the process of launching and scaling your product brand. Brands like the Monk Manual, Aberlite, Series Chill, Jamstack, and several others were all launched using our product launch pad. So if you'd like to be our next success story, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more. And for a limited time, we're offering a seven-day trial of the product launch pad for only $1. Again, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more.